Welcome to Make It Count, Living a Legacy Life, where we invest in what matters, God and people. I'm Sue Donaldson, speaker, author, and creator of WelcomeHeart.com, where you can learn to know and show the heart of God. And that's what counts. Thank you for joining me. Hi, today I am so excited to introduce you to my friend, Tim Winders. Is it Winders or Winders? Winders. Winders. Okay, good. Uh, it could be winders because you do live in an RV, but we'll get to that winding around the road of life. Uh, Tim, I met on Christian Podcasting Association uh, Facebook group, and we get to see each, each other often on Zoom. And he was so gracious to let me speak on his podcast, which is Seek, Go, Create, or is it Seek, Create, Go? Or Seek? I think it's Seek, Go, Create, right? I should get this right. Anyway, Tim is a great coach. He's a minister of the gospel. He's, I know he's a grandfather because he's always talking about that. And so he's a husband and a coach and a writer. And um, we're going to be talking about his new book is just coming out now. And it's called Coach, right? Call me coach, something like that. And we're going to talk all about that. So Tim, first tell us a little bit about yourself, more than what I said, and your business. And then we're going to get into some great questions and even better answers. Wow. Well, Sue, first of all, great to chat with you and yep. uh, great to make it count and all of mm -hmm. that. It's just uh, great to be here and also great to know you and thanks for all that you're doing. Uh, you. you know, tell me about yourself. That's kind of a loaded question for me. Um, I am, I guess I'll give just a real quick synopsis here. You sh shut me up whenever you need to. I will. I, uh, you know, born and raised in the Atlanta, Georgia area, hmm. um, engineer by training, which is kind of odd, started businesses while I was at college. Hmm. And so I've kind of always been leaning towards a business type setting. I would have been one of these guys that considered myself a good person, but not really a person of faith growing up. Oh, I didn't know uh, that. Yeah, I don't, I don't know that I would have argued with you about it. We kind of went through the church doors every once in a while. Okay. I, uh, it's sort of a joke, not really that funny, though, that hmm. when I was about 13 years old, there were a couple of cute girls that I hung out with that went down front at the church. And I just followed them along because I sort of followed them anywhere. <laughs> I am pretty sure that that spiritual experience didn't take. And I'm pretty sure my heart wasn't pure in that moment. <laughs> but, uh, but I was in and around those things and uh, met my future wife late in our college years. And um, we had some spiritual discussions. She grew up, her father was a minister and different things like that. And uh, but a little I pressure, a little pressure right then maybe not really. <laughs> it was, that's a whole longer story we won't yeah. get into. Okay. Um, but, uh, but yeah, so, so I, I was just going to be a business guy. I was one of these hard chargers from the eighties and Sue, I was going to make me some money. I hoped I didn't have to plow through people to do that, but I probably was willing to, mm -hmm. um, probably would have been a nice guy. You would have looked at me and says, Oh, he kind of cleans up, you know, does pretty well and all that. But I was pretty self-centered, pretty selfish, and thinking mostly about myself. Uh, a lot of that changed when we had our first first child. That seems to happen for a lot of people. Mm -hmm. And then, uh, and then also right around that time, in a business setting, I uh, was asked to come down on the floor of a big coliseum that was a business meeting, but it was a Sunday morning service, and that's where I gave my life to the Lord. Oh, wow. And so I've been on a spiritual journey ever since. So. The interesting thing about that, the reason I bring it up when people allow me to share that is because I 
wasn't necessarily a church going guy. Mm. Most of my paradigm for my spiritual growth has been in and around business settings. So later when we talk about some things about legacy and other things like that, some people are going to say, well, wow, he says ministry and things like that, but yet it's not around what we would call traditional church. That would be correct. Okay. <laughs> I, I believe that there's a lot of mission fields out there. And I believe mm -hmm. that part of mine is the setting where commerce and business is going on. And I believe we've got a great example of that with Jesus. He hung out with a lot of business people. And yes, so I kind of do the same. So I've, I've been married a little over 33 years as the time we're at the time we're recording this to the same beautiful woman. We, we call her glory. And if you're around her, you've been glorified and <laughs> we did very well in businesses, uh, had some seven figure businesses, had eight figures in real estate holdings leading right up to 2008 Sue. And to really shorten the story, by 2013, we were homeless, bankrupt, and living out of a Honda van. Oh, my so, goodness. Hold on. How many so kids? You didn't say that. <laughs> two children. Two, two children kids. that are now grown. They're, they're, gosh, okay, this is a tough question. I think they're 30 and 27, but they might be 31 and 28. <laughs> Don't hold me to that. They're three years apart. I do know okay. that. At okay. Least. <laughs> now go back to where you said you went down. It was in a, you said it was in a business setting that you gave your life to the Lord? Mm -hmm. I don't, I don't understand that. Well, uh, we were actually a part of a business. It was a network marketing business that, uh, they would have meetings about three or four times a year and sometimes 10,000, 15,000 people in large coliseums. And because of the spiritual faith of the people that were leading these, they would have, you know, training and information Friday and Saturday. And then on Sunday morning, it was kind of like, it wasn't like a bait and switch, but it was really, really mm -hmm. ingenious way of doing it. They would say, listen, if you want good seats for the Sunday afternoon session, you should get here early Sunday <laughs> morning because we're going to have a non-denominational Christian service. worship service mm -hmm. and you're welcome to attend. So I'd get there because mm -hmm. I want good seats front row and all that. Mm -hmm. And and I would hear business people that I had great respect for share their hearts, share wow. uh, so it the worked. message of the gospel. So it worked worked with it you did. I, I believe it did it actually right. just softened my heart and oh, you know what I'm, I may not I may be one of these guys that a preacher up in front of the church may not have gotten through to me so mm -hmm. and, and I believe that there are others like that and so that's why I've got such a heart for that maybe that business setting or that setting well, of commerce I I feel strongly that we're supposed to be in the world and not of it and if we're mm -hmm. so around Christians all the time. I mean, I remember early in my twenties, uh, really having a heart to share the Lord, but I didn't have any friends who were non-believers because I worked mm. in a Christian setting and my friends were Christians and I was in the choir and I was in the Bible study. And I thought I can't just go share the gospel with the gas station man. Remember when we used to have gas station men and he may have listened cause I was kind of cute but I didn't feel comfortable. And so I thought, Lord, give me some non-Christian friends. So um, I think what we do in the non-Christian setting is exactly what God wants us to do. How can we be salt and light if we're not in the world? Right. So mm -hmm. praise God for what you and your wife are doing. So go back to your story. How'd you end up homeless in a what VW van or something? In a Honda van. Yeah. We did. And, and the joke, there's a Saturday night live skit of motivational speaker that lives in a van down by the river. And so sometimes <laughs> I try to, we are in an RV right now. We're near a river in Southern Utah. Oh. It's beautiful here, but oh. it's actually a 39 foot motor coach. Some people 
we actually have family members that are really concerned about our poverty levels and we're really <laughs> not right now, but, but if they want to think that that's fine, we don't have to impress anyone or do anything like that anymore. But, so uh, a quick recap, how did you get from poverty to not and a 39 mm. foot coach is not poverty? Well, it's your choice. Prob- it's your yeah, choice we, to live in a van. I mean, in probably, not, probably don't have to tell people, even though it was quite the journey of how we went from big 6,000 square foot no, house no. in a resort down to nothing. Um, it was quite the journey. We started traveling and, uh, Sue, it's something my wife and I say that we do not wish our journey on anyone, but we are so thankful that we went through it. We needed to purge some things. We needed to purge some materialism, Mm -hmm. needed to purge some ego for me, not my wife. She doesn't have the ego that I had some arrogance, some self-centeredness. We needed to purge a lot of that. And, uh, you know, there's kind of references that I use. If you ever have seen the original Grinch that stole Christmas, uh, you know, one of the things that happened to the Grinch is within the poem that, um, that Dr. Seuss said was his heart grew three sizes that day. Hmm. I believe that during that time, scales came off of me. I believe that some of my crustiness, some of my arrogance kind of fell off. And I believe that my heart grew during that time. Mm-hmm. I recognized and realized who I was. I recognized that I was adopted into God's kingdom, that I had a, had a mission and a purpose within the kingdom. And that mission and purpose was not to line my pockets and bring in financial resources just for me. Now, mm-hmm. I do believe that I have a gift in that area and that I can do some things in that financial arena. I just had put that above. Right. God. Mm-hmm. And, and that's idolatry. We know right. that we know mm-hmm. that anything we put above him is mm-hmm. idolatry. So my idol was business. It was more, it was chasing after things and accomplishments. And, and so Sue, what needed to happen over the course of 2013, 14, 15, my wife and I were traveling. We call ourselves essential nomads. We were, we were, <laughs> we joke, we we're kind of like Abraham and Sarah, but we went to Australia and New Zealand. We lived there for wow. a period of time. We, uh, we had very little financial resources early on. We were trying to do things, but the Lord was really kind of slapping our hand and saying, I need y'all to be at rest mm. and peace and depend upon me mm. because you have some skills and talents. I do not want you to depend upon those. We can't use those skills and talents until you recognize where they came from and whose they are. Mm. And so Sue, the journey was really learning how we fit into God's kingdom. So I did long studies about, and we did long studies about peace and being at rest. We spent so much time in the word. There were sometimes four or five hours a day that my wife and I spent studying God's word because we couldn't do anything else. He would mm-hmm. not allow, I even tried when we were living in a resort community to get a job at McDonald's. I went to the McDonald's. They say, we, we're sorry, we don't take applications in person. You need to go do it online. Oh I'm pretty savvy. I'm an engineer. I'm a tech guy. I went yeah. to the internet site to put in my application, Sue, and I could not get an application to go in to get to try to get a job to flip burgers. Wow. Did you get depressed? That, went, that might hit me in the face. In the oh, Sue, you know, <laughs> I'm probably not one that's inclined to admit that I was depressed. Okay. But if anyone were to really analyze me and really be able to read my mail, they would say this guy's depressed and probably delusional about it. (laughs) (laughs) And thinking that they're not. 
Yeah, wow. yeah, yeah. And so you um, then be, is that when you started a coaching business or is that when you started your podcast? Yes. And yes, I actually have been coaching. I've kind of had the coaching gene, Sue, since college. When I went to work for my first corporate gig, you know, in the late 80s, I gravitated toward teaching and coaching. It's just something in my genes. Both my parents were educators and all of that. So, so I coached when I was in our real estate companies back in the early 2000s. We had a large coaching business that shut down when 2008 occurred. So coaching is kind of a natural thing. I believe it's a gifting that the Lord gave me. And I believe in the world we're in today, it's, it's one of the purest forms of discipleship. Oh, I agree. Because you're able, you're able to spend so much time with people, really learning about them and ministering to them in ways that's very difficult when you're just standing up in front of the room speaking. I know you do that and I've done that, but I actually really do like moving from the speaking teaching role to also an interactive role. And I know you love doing workshops and all that kind of stuff too. So, but, but I, that's really, I'll tell you exactly what happened. 2015 rolled along at the time that 2015 hit in March of that year, we had made a total of $17 the first three months of the year. Wow. We felt the Lord leading us to go to Bible school and kind of against my will. And I don't really care for religious settings. I love spiritual plate people and all, mm -hmm. but religious settings, not my thing. The minute we signed up to go, the Lord told me, get ready. Mm -hmm. And by the end of March, we had 12 sources of revenue that were coming in from various wow. places. Yeah. Those are people that would just call them and say, Hey, Tim, listen, I know you've got some marketing in your background. Can you help us with this? Or we're doing a business startup. Can you coach us on some leadership or we're doing some things in real estate. We know you haven't done it for a couple of years, but we really could use your expertise. My wife got some opportunities out of Silicon Valley and some things she was doing. So we just had the floodgates begin to open. And we believe it was because of the, just the preparation we had gone through the years before and, you know, getting ourselves positioned so that we could literally rest in the Lord and allow him to use the skills and talents mm -hmm. that we have instead of us trying to uh, take those skills and talents and make something happen. So, uh, so Tim, that's what happened. I think that's such a beautiful story. And do you think that you can coach much better now because you experienced that rather mm -hmm. than just read it in a book where you read even in, in the Bible, where you hear of people where God allows them to go through the desert and then they become God's person for the next job. I mean, that's throughout scripture. Yeah. I could read that and say, wow, that's really good. But I would really be able to teach someone that or coach someone or actually just be a good mentor to someone going yeah. through it myself. Yeah. The short answer is yes. I'm actually reading an Exodus now through Moses. Oh. Mm, yes. And, uh, you know, we kind of look at Moses life and see at one point he seemed like he was a prince and that's what mm -hmm. he's been called. And then, and then he went through 40 years. 40 years is a long time. Probably had his ego and personality. In fact, often, I mean, we went through the scriptures today where he told the Lord multiple times, can you find someone else? Yes. Pick someone else, <laughs> pick someone else, please pick someone else. Uh -huh. And you know, you asked about podcast and things like that. Probably in 2008, I would have been the guy that just about anything you would have recommended, I would have jumped on it and within a matter of days had websites up and things like that. Sue, it took me three years before I started the podcast. It took me five years before I've gotten positioned to launch my book. 
and it's been written. It's not as if I'm putting words in paper still. Mm -hmm. And I believe a lot of that is the Lord. I don't want to say testing, but just making sure it's not about me. Mm. And, and maybe it's me saying, Lord, I, I know what you told me years ago. And I'll, I'll tell you this, Sue, I think this is kind of powerful for some people. They need to hear this. I believe the Lord spoke to me and said, Tim, I'm not an ATM machine. I, I'm not just giving out ideas for people to go run out, do things. And then when they get in trouble, come back to the ATM machine, ATM machine and make a withdrawal. I want to literally lock arms with you and, and us work together on any and every project to advance my kingdom that we can, that we can work on together. Mm -hmm. So when I give you something, when I gift you an idea, when I gift you an idea for a book or something, pause, meditate on it, make sure that it's something that we are going to work on together. And, and that's probably been, some might look at me now and say, boy, you're, I don't know if anybody will tell me I'm low key, but <laughs> if someone saw the things that I have as projects, and how slow I am to move to manifest them. Some might say, well, gosh, Tim's a little bit slower, or I don't know if they'd use the term lazy or anything like that than I was years ago. Well, maybe not self-confident. They would be thinking you're not confident in what you're doing. It's you're very not. possible. Yeah, it's very mm -hmm. possible. And you know what? doesn't okay matter. That. Yeah, <laughs> I don't care. Yeah. <laughs> it's not that I don't care that comes across. Yeah. So, and I believe the other thing that helps that you brought up, and it's very wise that you asked this question, I believe it's very difficult to have the compassion that we need to have mm -hmm. for other people as, and you know, this as a speaker, people in the audience, or as, you know, working with people one-on-one -on -one or a small group of people, many times we want to mold and form them to our beliefs, our paradigms, our thoughts. And what we really need to do is we need to be pliable to where they are, the position they're in. And so I'm not sure that had I not gone through the journey I've gone through, I would have the amount of compassion and understanding. We all, we all need more. I'm not saying mm -hmm. that I've arrived there, mm -hmm. but I know it's more than it used to be. Oh, well, this is, reminds me of a very, uh, something, my little sister, and I know I've had to listen to my little sister many times through the years. Uh, she got married about 15 years before I did. And so when I finally got pregnant, after I got married, I finally got married and then I got pregnant. She said, Sue, now you will have credibility with women that you've never had credibility with when you speak, because I was a speaker before I had children and before I, I, I was married, but there's a whole world out there that I wouldn't have understood if the Lord hadn't granted that uh, late in life miracle three times, times three. And so praise God for that. Um, and why did you call your pod or why do you call your podcast seek, go and create? And then after that, I'm going to ask you the legacy questions. Yeah. Seek, go, create. So in uh, probably around the summer of 2019, I started feeling the urge and the urging to finally uh, open my mouth, my mouth and begin communicating again. I'd been writing, but I was just really slow to grab a microphone or to, you know, put myself in front of people. And a lot of that could have been confidence. Maybe a lot of it could have been maybe some shame. I, I haven't been, um, 
I haven't been afraid to let people know that it was a fairly shameful time to go from the position we were in to not. Um, I think the Lord's used that, but anyway, it's part of our journey. And so I decided to flip on, uh, you know, and start sharing. And, and I got with our son, who's kind of a branding guy and does a lot on Instagram. And I said, Joshua, we call him JK at times. I said, Joshua, um, I'm thinking about all these names and I'd love for you to do some of the graphics and all that. I said, what do you think? And he looked at him and he kind of went, meh, <laughs> he didn't like any <laughs> yeah. of them. He said, dad, he says, I've heard you now for almost 10 years using the word seek, go create. And we actually had the word now at the end of that. He says, why don't you name it seek, go create or seek, go create now. And I went, Hmm. So thankful for when we can listen to the wisdom yes. of our children. That's yes. actually, there's a lot of humility in that, isn't there? A lot. And Sue, back in 2008, 2009, 2010, we lived in a very large resort com community, golf course, Ritz-Carlton, as things were collapsing all around us. And I didn't go out and play golf, but I went out and I walked the golf courses that were dormant on the days when they were doing the work and all on them. And I don't think it was a lot of prayer. I think it was more complaining, griping, crying out to the Lord. And during that time, the Lord gave me some instruction and the instructions were in the form of four words. And those words were seek and there's scripture and some other things to that. They were go. There were some other things related to that. Create, obviously more to that. And then the capital word N-O-W with an exclamation point at the end of it. Seek, go create now. Those are the instructions I had in 2009, 10, wow. 11. And so I've kind of kept wow. that as a kind of a mantra and I could preach on it, teach on it. I've done it on our podcast many times. I've got the origin story of kind of more details of how it came to be, but Seek, Go, Create is what we came up with. My son did some graphics and I went, ooh, I like that. So that's where Seek, Go, Create came from. Okay, but this is something that maybe my listeners may have picked up right now because I did. God said in not so many words, but really very few words, Seek, Go, Create now. But then you said, well, he said that in 2008, 9 and 10. That's not exactly now. You know, that's not exactly 40 years either, but it's not now. So when you coach people, I'm sure sometimes you have to say, you're going to have to wait a little while, but go, go, and then see what happens. Is that what you say? Because it doesn't always happen now. The results don't happen now. Yeah. Well, and, and what you're asking here, Sue, is probably one of the deepest, almost the deepest practical spiritual questions that many of us have. And that's the question of time, mm -hmm. because time is really a limit that we place on ourselves. God never mentions time in the same way that we do. And I don't think that our minds, our small little minds here, I'm waving my hands around my head for those people that are listening in, but our heads think deadlines. Mm -hmm. Our heads think if I don't get, this is what was going through my head back in 9, 10, 11, 12, if I don't get financial resources by Friday, Lord, we're done. Yeah, it's done. Exactly. Friday would come and go and we weren't done. Mm -hmm. I mean, it wasn't, it wasn't comfortable or anything like that, but so, Sue, I think the message for me was that now is relative mm -hmm. <laughs> for, for Moses. Now is 40 years for Joseph, who I just read about recently, it was 11, 13 years in prison. You know, he spent mm -hmm. time in the pit. He was sold to slavery and and, you know, we read it and we go, oh, Joseph went from the prison to the palace. 
in nine Not years. Now. Yeah, in nine years, right? Yeah. <laughs> you know, or 11 years when he was sold into slavery. So, I mean, it's like, and so I, I am even working on this more and more, and that is changing the paradigm of the way we think about now. And I just don't believe that the Lord has the time constraints that we believe that we have. Best mm. example we have, who had the most important mission ever? Jesus. That was Jesus Christ. Now, do you think he knew that it was three years? I don't know. Maybe he knew, maybe he didn't. But Sue, I, you may have heard me ask this before. Did you, can you find a place in scriptures? And I've read the gospels multiple times where it says Jesus was in a hurry or Jesus rushed. Mm -hmm. He had a deadline. He had to meet the deadline. I, I can't find that anywhere. Mm -hmm. I actually got in a little bit of an argument with somebody last week, a business person that was going, no, G and they said, but Jesus, no, no. And I'm going, <laughs> give me the scripture. I don't think Jesus rushed. I think he was at peace. And now he, he had a big mission. Mm -hmm. I think that that's a model for us. Mm -hmm. Jesus never hurried. Um, as far as legacy, as you know, make it count is about that. And it's just, and the reason I started this, I have my own little origin story is because we only have a certain number of years here. God, yes, is outside of time, but we're, we're not. And mm. so, um, we want to make the most of our time without feeling we're on a hamster wheel, but also so that we don't end up with a heart attack. So there mm. is a beautiful middle ground there where we rest and yet we make our lives count. So what legacy are you working on right now? Or do you feel is your legacy now that you um, now in this part of your life? I mean, it may have been a different legacy before 2008. I'm pretty sure it would have been a different legacy. So yeah. what do you feel is your legacy now? And how are you currently working on that? Yeah, that's such a great question. It has so many layers, Sue. It does. You're correct. You're correct that if we go back to 2008 or even a few years afterwards, while I was still working through some things, I would have probably put financial items, assets, property, real estate, things like that. And, and all of that has some validity. I mean, I think the Lord is not against any of that, as long as it's put in proper perspective. And so it's interesting. We talked about the podcast earlier and I think it was late 2015 that I first got the inkling for the book that is now finished and ready to release. I actually began thinking about what I would leave when I'm not around. And there's some things that just make sense. Books. I mean, there's some books that still impact me that I think, wow, how powerful the C.S. Lewis collections are and and Tolkien and others that are such powerful. Those are primarily fiction, which is some things that I'm writing. And, and I'm like, going, wow, that, that is a legacy because they are still around. We're still talking about them, sometimes arguing and all that about them today. And then really our podcast was similar. When we found out that we were going to be grandparents, I started thinking to myself, huh, it'd be really cool to get some things recorded that later, maybe they will, maybe they want, they would want to listen and go, boy, that was, that was, I'm called T Diddy. That's grandpa. That's, that's grand. Yes. Mm -hmm. That's T that mm -hmm. uh, is there. So those are two, I would call them minor things. The biggest legacy that we could all leave though, Sue, is to point to the father and have anyone around us or anyone that comes in contact with us go, huh, everything that guy or everything that lady's doing is pointing to the father and, and how I could have a relationship with him. 
real funny story. I just, I'm in the RV here. And right before I jumped on with you, I was eating some lunch right outside. We had a beautiful 65 degree day today. And, uh, and a guy walked by and I knew him and he goes, Hey, I've been meaning to listen to your podcast. And he goes, in fact, I want to subscribe right now. I said, okay, great. And he got to talking to me and he's <clears throat> actually a former preacher's kid that claims wow. to be agnostic now. I see. And, uh, I said, Oh, I said, tell me more about that. How's that work? And, and what he described to me was that he has challenges with religion, traditions of man, and a lot of things that Christians may do, not really his faith. And so I just planted a few seeds with him and we agreed to circle back later. But to me, the most important legacy is for me to have a conversation with someone like him and say, listen, I get it that maybe some religious people are not fun to be around. I'm the same way. <laughs> But, but if you know you're created, and I believe that you do, you need to make sure you've got a relationship with the father. Oh, I love that. Yeah. That's so great. I totally agree. Um, so say that one sentence, the, the last one, you say it again. If you have a relationship, if you know you're created, and I believe that you do, and not yeah. everybody believes that even. I've, gone, I've talked to people who don't even believe that. But if you start there, they'll even say, yeah. nice people, not even raised in church will say, Oh yeah, of course there's a God. <clears throat> but if you say, if you believe you're created, go ahead. What would you say? Well, uh, let me back up just a second, because okay. let me, let's address that creation question. Okay. We travel, we travel. You are a minister. <laughs> I, I, sure I am. I want to point people to the father, to the kingdom. So that's a ministry. If you ask me, I want to, I want to show people the love of Christ wherever I can. And I, I fail at times, but I want to do that. Sue, so we're sitting outside right now, the entrance to Zion National Park. And I could see, I'm looking up above my computer, y'all can't see it, but I could see some of the mesas and I could see the top mm -hmm. of Zion National. And it is incredibly gorgeous. And there are pr probably some people that would give some scientific origins of something like that. But I have stood with people that are very, very um, matter of fact, and let's just say uh, not really creation minded. And if you really travel and you really observe and you look at people, or if you've ever witnessed a child being born or some of the miracles that are just the life we have, I think most people have a tug that there's something bigger going on than just us walking around on this earth. And totally. when people admit that and you have that conversation, notice I'm not talking about God. I'm not talking about Jesus Christ or religion or anything. I'm just talking about that slight tug that someone has that there's a bigger picture out there. Mm -hmm. That's all the opening we need. Because if they okay. admit there's a bigger picture, then it's pretty easy to walk to that door and say, you know what? Do you think that bigger picture is an accident or do you think there was some intention behind it? Mm. I don't know. It seems like there's a little bit of intention. Exactly. Something or someone has to be behind that intention. Hmm. And that intention is all about beauty and love and creation. Sorry, I'm getting to preaching here. You go ahead. No, no, no. <laughs> um, I read a lot of Utmost Force Highest by uh, Oswald Chambers. I'm sure you're familiar mm. with him, but he talks mm. about being a conduit, you know, for people to understand uh, where the source of the water comes down, you know, we can just be part of the stream, but they, we want to just have people point. Well, we're pointing by our very lives, but also by our words, by our actions, where they become uh, hungry and thirsty for God, not for Sue Donaldson, not for Tim Winders, 
but mm. for God, because there's something better. I mean, I was walking um, with a friend the other day, actually yesterday. And I said, before we go on our big walk, I need to walk uh, to three different houses in the neighborhood and making comments to her, but she was chatting away about a book she read. And then I, and she goes, why are we going here? Oh, well, we took a meal to someone who had a hysterectomy. Sue, you're just an angel. I thought, no, 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 no. I'm very non-angelic. In fact, I became so later in the afternoon when I snapped at my husband, but, and she knows that about me, but the idea is to reflect who Christ is by our dailiness. It was no big deal. I said, you know what? I just like to cook. It's not like it's a big laborious thing for me. And that this person, her husband's in the hospital and she's a vegetarian and she's from India. Yes, I made carrot ginger soup, but I like carrot ginger soup, you know? So what we do, hopefully what we do by God's grace, really only God's grace can help us do this, is refer everybody back to the father. So what a great legacy. What has hindered or what has been an obstacle for you to do that? Hmm. I think that we go back to what we were talking about earlier is time. I think our mind starts playing tricks on us and we believe that we're not. And I think we could probably go down a road and claim that this is probably the enemy trying to, uh, you know, neuter us or make us slow down in what we believe we're supposed to do. Uh, you, you know, when someone writes a book, and I know you've done this, that you do start thinking at times, you kind of go, huh, wonder if this is good. I wonder if people would want to read it, you know, doubts, fear, doubts that can come in. But then, but then the time thing comes in. It's like, you know, I've kind of got a goal of writing a lot of books over the next 30 years. And, you know, maybe I can't get it done. I'm a little bit behind on that. And I just think our minds can play tricks on us. Mm -hmm. And I think our minds play tricks on us because of the nature of the fallenness that's all around us. And the nature of us just looking around going, Things aren't possible if it's under our own power, which is then we have to remind it's not our power. It's not mm -hmm. us. We're just conduits. Like you just said, we are, we are vessels for God to do what God does, mm -hmm. which is minister to other people to take a meal to someone. You're a vessel that's taking a meal to someone that, you know what, they may not be sitting there starving, but boy, it nourishes their soul and it nourishes your right. soul when you reach out and do that. It's good for everybody. Uh, so true. This one friend I've recently become closer to, I invited her to our soup potluck on Christmas Eve. We may have talked about that when I was on your show and I'd never invited their family before. And um, she said, it's just nice to be included. You know, those are really precious words because we're, we're all included in God's invitation they need people like Tim to go tell them that, guess what? You're part of the invitation. But unless we invite, I mean, they ended up not coming, but it didn't matter. It was the gift of love of the invitation. And I think that's what you do in your coaching. I'm, I'm fascinated by the fact that you help um, secular business people make their businesses more successful. But the bottom line is so that you can point them to the father. Um, what action steps would you recommend to my listeners today to help them work on a God-designed legacy? Since you're a coach, you always do calls to action. Yeah, there's, I mean, listen, there's all types of things we could talk about, productivity and getting the most of your calendar, hiring assistants, all that kind of stuff. Bah. <laughs> so Not today. <laughs> I could tell you the most important thing for me over the last 15 years-ish that 
the leaders that I work with, anyone listening, the most important thing as far as moving forward with whatever you believe your legacy for, whatever you're created for, even if you don't believe you were created for something, I believe you are. In fact, I know you are, is to sit and have some quiet time. Turn off, I'm holding up a phone here. We're on, I know we're on tech, but turn off the phones, turn off the devices, turn off the televisions. You know, if you're a reader, if you read scripture in the Bible, open up a Bible, get a journal if you're prone to journal. If you like to meditate or pray, do that and just be still and quiet and listen and see what comes. Now, some of us might have a bunch of stuff floating around in our head. Some of us, it might be quiet, but just listen. I believe, I believe we're created. You know that from this conversation. And I believe your creator wants to interact and have a relationship with you. I believe if you do that, regardless of your position or where you are or what you've done in the past or anything like that, I believe you're going to have some dialogue that could be very powerful for you. So mm. be still and quiet is the number one recommendation I'm giving to anyone from the corporate boardroom to the single mom, because I believe that the Lord wants to communicate with all of his creation and he'll do it if we slow down long enough to let him. Mm. I love that. Tim, this has been uh, robust and life-giving and I appreciate your time and I hope um, everybody will buy your book. Tell us the title again, please. Sure. The title is Coach, A Story of Success Redefined. And it is fiction. I have to tell people, some people think, oh, your leadership and all, but it's fiction. I'll call it like a leadership or a business novel might be a good way to describe it. And why did you choose fiction? Um, the Lord told me to do that when he gave me the idea for the story. <laughs> and, uh, and, and I think he knew it would stretch me. I'm, I sometimes consider myself the least creative in our family. We've got some creative people in our family. And so, and, and I believe it's the way that Jesus communicated. I think he mm -hmm. told stories, stories and parables and it gets a message across and it's not as directive as do this, do that. Right. Um, there's three very strong principles in this novel that will sneak up on someone, not after they read it, they'll go, oh my gosh, I see it now, but they'll go, ooh. I kind of see what was done there. And, and I Fabulous. think there's power, power in that. There is power, so much power in storytelling. And thank you for sharing even just a part of your story with us today. We so appreciate it. Thank you. Until next time, think about your legacy, the one God has called you to live, all for heaven's sake. I would love to speak at your next Christian Women's event. See my keynotes and retreat series, as well as the show notes from today's broadcast at welcomeheart.com. Thanks for coming. You're always welcome here.